If you want to be a stand-up comic, it kind of helps to be an idiot. <laughs> like you can you can be good at math and spelling. That's that's not really a problem. But you need to be dumb in some kind of way. You you need something about you to not be right. You got to be kind of stupid. You need you need deep tragic character flaws. <laughs> it's like you, you need to be self-aware enough of those flaws to be able to articulate them in intimate detail to complete strangers, but also fully lack the willpower to change any of your, your tragic character flaws. That's important. <laughs> you need to know about your problems, but not be able to fix them. Uh, you need to be dumb. It, it really helps if you've, you've kind of been an idiot your whole life. That's good for comedy. I, uh, I love the movie Superbad, uh, great movie. Uh, one of my favorite comedies. Still holds up, if you disagree, I will happily fight you. Fisticuffs, I'm ready for it, let's go. Let's tussle. But uh, Jonah Hill in Superbad, he plays Seth. Seth has trouble controlling his sex drive and or expressing his masculinity appropriately, right? That's sort of his, one of his tragic flaws. Uh, this results in him drawing and doodling <laughs> absurd animated penis cartoons <laughs> as a young boy, and then as a teenager in exploiting his best friend, and then also drinking uh, laundry detergent alcohol so that he can ultimately lose his balance and comically headbutt the girl uh, he has been pining after uh, with all of these uh, misguided antics. You know, so Seth is lacking in all sorts of ways and he tries to compensate for his lack of popularity and coolness and it results in a bunch of excessive and socially embarrassing behavior. But it's pretty funny, you know, he's, he's kind of a, an adorable idiot. Uh, you know, not everybody can say that they headbutted Emma Stone to help launch her career as an actress. You know, that's something. But but if you want to be funny, you can't you can't be cool. You gotta be dumb. You know, you have to embrace your stupidity. You know, Superbad works because it gives teenage stupidity a big old loving bear hug. You know, that's that's why it holds up as a movie. That's that's the vibe. You know, a lot of comics these days, they run into trouble uh, when they get into political stuff, especially. You know, they try to be smart and cutting. You know, they try to be agents of social change. Like, I'm not saying that's not good. I've tried it myself. I'm not saying you can't do comedy like that, but you can't put yourself on a pedestal where you're saying, like, you're the smart one in the room, right? Like, some people might agree with you, but you're not gonna get very genuine laughs, right? You gotta stay the idiot on stage. You know, whether, whether you're conservative or liberal, you can't get up on stage and make fun of how dumb the other team is and get very genuine laughs, right? Not across the board anyway, right? You're making points logically isn't funny. You know, it's appealing to people who already agree with you, right? But it's, it's not, it's not really funny. There's, there's a lot more to it. You know, if you want to be funny, you know, don't make fun of other people for being dumb. Interrogate your own stupidity. That's relatable across the board, right? That allows for greater connection. Hubris is a human universal. 
your stance on abortion or gun rights isn't. There's a book I like, it's pretty dense. I haven't actually finished reading it, the whole thing yet uh, myself, but it's called The Western Canon by Harold Bloom. And it's an overview of the major works of Western literature. And Bloom, uh, he wrote another entire book specifically about the works of Shakespeare uh, that I also haven't read yet, <laughs> but, but I do own it and I intend to read it. But in the Western canon, Bloom writes that the peculiar magnificence of Shakespeare is in his power of representation of human character and personality and their mutabilities. I had to look up the definition of mutabilities, I won't lie. <laughs> Mutability is the ability to change. So anyway, uh, the, uh, the peculiar magnificence of Shakespeare is in his power of representation of human character and personality and their mutabilities. Shakespeare is above all writers, the poet of nature, the poet that holds up to his readers a faithful mirror of manners and of life. If you're making art and you want staying power, that's what you should aim to do. Reveal human character. Accurately reflect human nature. Discuss the variations in human personality. And maybe by doing that, emotional connections will be felt between people and that might lead to some empathy and sympathy for people with different perspectives. And maybe that moves the needle politically in some ways. But people don't change because you told them that they were dumb and a bunch of your friends hoisted you up, told you that you were cool and you all clapped and laughed together at the outsiders you disagree with, right? That's, that's a lower quality of laughter in my opinion, right? That's, it's not quite punching down, but it's, it's punching the out group. It, it doesn't draw people closer together, ultimately. Well, it does solidify your in-group and draw you guys closer together, uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't bridge uh, gaps that, that need to be bridged between people who are upset with each other about whatever this political or social conflict is that you think you're trying to resolve, right? Like you, you've got to extend the olive branch by pointing out how dumb you are first, right? I'm not very religious, but I am most familiar with Christianity, and I think there is a lot of interesting stuff to be learned there. I'm hitting it all here, folks, politics and religion. But uh, the Bible is also a major component of the Western literary tradition, right? So if you grew up in our culture in the West, you can't really avoid it. It's part of who you are, whether you like it or not. All the stories you like, novels, film, television, most of it is derivative art from the Bible in some way. It's, the stories are just very universal in our culture. But anyway, uh, Jesus, one of his things was that, you know, we have to become like children to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's one of his uh, sayings or whatever. Uh, what the heck does that mean? How, how high was Jesus? You know, how many mustard seeds did he smoke? What was, what was he talking about? All right, so you have to be like children to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, for one, children are dumb. They're kind of stupid, and it's funny. Here's the thing. Children encounter the world pre-categories. We have some instincts, you know, so, some things that we're hardwired for from birth, but when we're young, we generally haven't built up categories. We haven't labeled everything. We haven't sorted it out, right? Everything is new and surprising and different. 
And then as we go through life, we put things in categories, right? Because if things are in a category, it means we can act in the same way toward those things, right? It's efficient to do that. You know, like, oh, I've, I've seen this before. You know, I know how to act toward it. This belongs to this category. That means that I should do this, right? That's why we categorize things in our mind. But that can also end up being an oversimplification. You know, our categories aren't always 100% correct, you know? And as we age, we get more and more stuck seeing things as we've already categorized them in the past, right? This happens literally in our brains. The way our brain makes sense of the world is we get input from our five senses, and that information goes up into our brain and mixes with memories of previous experiences, and then we try to sort everything out based on the interaction of that new sensory information with our past experience of the same or similar things. You know, we try to categorize the new information using our existing categories. But in that process, like as we age, we've built up more categories, so we're applying more top-down pre-existing information to the incoming sensory observations. The info coming in gets more distorted and categorized automatically by our existing memories, by our previous experiences. So the key to being like a child is being able to see things as fresh again, as if for the first time. That's what artists do. They observe with a view that isn't locked into as many preconceived ideas. They explore with more open eyes. They let input wash over them and they reprocess it. Artists aren't as strongly influenced in their thinking by the accepted traditions and cultural norms. They try to see things like children before the current categories of culture took hold in their minds. That's what good art does. And that's what comedians do as artists, right? We make our brains dumber in order to notice the stuff that's silly about the prevailing culture. We play dumb so that we can pick apart the habits and traditions of a normal adult life from a different perspective, a semi-childlike stupid perspective. But it's really important that you don't point that stuff out directly. You know, that's why cultures kill prophets, right? Prophets come out and say, hey, y'all are doing this stuff wrong. And then they get stoned to death or crucified. <laughs> Instead, the strategy as a comedian is you come out and say, hey, y'all, look at all the dumb stuff I'm doing. <laughs> and then people laugh and go, yeah, he is pretty dumb, you know? And if they reflect on what's being said a little bit, you know, on their own time, they might actually come to some realizations about themselves. But that's not up to you, right? That's up to them. Like, your job is to make them laugh for reasons maybe even they don't quite understand. Another of my favorite books I can't stop mentioning on this podcast, Wonderworks by Angus Fletcher. Chapter 14 of Wonderworks is called Become Your Better Self. The Invention of the Life Evolver. He has some very fancy titles to the chapters of his books. But uh, in that chapter, Fletcher uh, talks about regular irony and self-irony. So irony is a device used quite frequently in comedy. Most people probably are aware of this. Um, if you want the dictionary.com definition of irony, here it is, I'll, I'll give that to you. 
Irony is the expression of one's meaning by using language that normally signifies the opposite, typically for humorous or emphatic effect, a state of affairs or an event that seems deliberately contrary to what one expects and is often amusing as a result, a literary technique originally used in Greek tragedy by which the full significance of a character's words or actions are clear to the audience or reader, although unknown to the character." Okay, so that's, that's irony. Fletcher highlights how with regular irony, we are made conscious that there is a truth that someone else doesn't know. But then, with self-irony, a literary device Fletcher attributes to Plato inventing in Mino. It's one of the uh, it's one of the Socratic dialogues Plato wrote. Mino. So self-irony makes us conscious that there's a truth we ourselves as individuals don't know. So with regular irony, everyone who gets it, you know, is in on the joke that we are smarter than the dum dums who don't get it. But with self-irony, everyone who gets it is in on the joke that we're all stupid and that this is an inescapable part of the human condition, right? Self-irony is humbling. Whereas irony tries to make you feel smarter, right, and build you up and make you part of the in-group, self-irony is humbling. You know, if you're into neuroscience, uh, like, you know, people like me and, and Angus Fletcher, uh, Fletcher, he explains how self-irony involves using our frontal cortex, that's the part of our brain that is capable of conscious thought, right, it's where we do all our logical reasoning, our frontal cortex. We, we use our frontal cortex to get a God's eye view of how dumb the rest of our brain is, right? It's kind of biased, the rest of our brain's pretty smart, but it's, it's, all that subconscious stuff is really useful, but our frontal cortex tends to think it's, it's more important than all the underlying stuff. You know, if you, if you study psychology and neuroscience, you pretty quickly realize that ultimately, the frontal cortex is not in charge of the rest of our brain. If it was, humans would behave like rational philosopher kings instead of like raging goofy monkeys who can't master their tragic flaws. And as a comedian, your job is to use your frontal cortex to come up with a bunch of jokes about the more monkey-like underlying portions of your silly little brain. So if you combine self-irony with intimate self-disclosure, you know, what are the particular thoughts bouncing around out of your subconscious? People tend to like that, you know? They're gonna appreciate that you're willing to talk about the weird, dumb stuff they're too scared to talk about, right? The stuff that goes bump in the night deep in their brain. A lot of people want somebody who can laugh at all that illogical stuff that we all have to deal with, you know, that our, that our frontal cortex has to contend with, all the weird stuff bubbling up out of the rest of our, of our brain. Uh, you know, people want an honest discussion of our common humanity, but they want it presented in a lovable, harmless way. That's how you get a laugh, you know? You poke and tickle a little bit, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't slap them in the face you know, and tell them they're an idiot for having feelings about stuff they can't control. You know, at least not until, you know, you've slapped yourself in the face sufficiently first, right? Like, being a comedian is about embracing human nature, warts and all. 
That's, that's the gig. And let's say that's not good enough for you. Let's say you think comedy should be about more than pointing out our flaws as humans, right? You think it needs to do more than that. Well, admitting your limitations is the first step toward any personal growth anyway. So, welcome to my seminar. In that chapter, Angus Fletcher picked a pretty sick Frederick Douglass quote to uh, illustrate his point about self-irony. There's power in allowing yourself to be known and heard in owning your unique story, in using your authentic voice, and there's grace in being willing to know and hear others. This, for me, is how we become. So, Frederick Douglass, what he's getting at there, if we listen to each other's unique, goofy, flawed stories and we're honest with each other, maybe that can lead to becoming something more. I'm gonna give you two quotes in a row. Here's a quote from Nietzsche uh, that goes along with, with what Freddie Doug's thoughts are above. I'm sorry for calling him Freddie Doug. I don't know what I'm doing. But uh, Nietzsche says, the strength of a person's spirit would then be measured by how much truth he could tolerate or more precisely, to what extent he needs to have it diluted, disguised, sweetened, muted, falsified. So that one's pretty interesting. You know, I do think comedy sweetens and disguises the truth. You know, because of the need for economy of words, you know, only being able to say so much, it can also dilute the truth. But good comedy, like really, really good comedy, doesn't mute the truth and it doesn't falsify it. It, it maintains some kind of a, of a truth anchor. You know, if you want to be an authentic stand-up comic, you've got to embrace the truth of your particular limitations. Your limitations are what make you unique. They give you your voice. Creativity comes from wrestling within the particular constraints that define you. What are your tragic flaws? I've never been, you know, cool or popular or especially likable, you know, which is the origin story of many people seeking approval through the medium of stand-up comedy, all right? We're, we're, we're not uh, social butterflies for the most part. But the irony is, if you wanna be funny, you gotta stop trying to be any of those things. You know, you're not cool, you're not popular, but if you're honest, you might end up being reasonably likable, weirdly because of your flaws. So I'm trying to say is stay the dumb guy, right? That's the only way to be likable on stage. Be yourself, but eliminate the ego. Stay stupid. Comedians are idiots, we're buffoons. That's the whole point. You know, to try to go up there on stage and be above anything or be impressive or be smart that's completely backward. You know, it's contradictory to the art form. You're not a hero up there on stage saving the world, all right? You're a ding-dong with a microphone. So you, you just, you have to embrace your own stupidity, trample your ego. That's the project inherent in stand-up. And again, I'm not saying comedians shouldn't try to make the world a better place. Like, we can become better people. Please try to do that. Everyone should do that. You can improve yourself, you know, in life. Uh, who you are on stage is not who you are in everyday life. Uh, the art form of stand-up, that's not a full expression of you as a human being. Uh, I hope not, anyway. Uh, that, would, that would be even more tragic. That's not good. But <laughs> when you're on stage uh, trying to make people laugh, you, you gotta play the fool, right? People don't wanna hear about how saintly and intelligent you are. You know, you're not a political or religious leader. You're a court jester, 
tickling the weird parts of people's brains. You're, you're, the, you're the tragic hero armed with fart jokes. And if you do that, if you play that role, people might appreciate that authentic expression, right? You won't be cool, but you'll give people permission to be themselves out in the world, and that might make things better, you know? People might be more willing to embrace who they really are as they struggle through their, you know, particularly limited tragic life. <laughs> and they might be able to accept others for more of their goofy little differences. And that might be its own form of positive social change. End seminar. What do you what what, what do you what do you think? Is that huh? How's that for a TED talk? <laughs>